If you got your Bibles with you, which I truly hope you do, I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. And this is going to help tell us why the church has so little impact in the world today. Pastor, we're supposed to have an impact. Yep, we are. But I believe that the reason the church has so little impact in the world today is because there are too many spectators. Some people feel like they're in a horse race when they go to church. Yeah. What? A horse race? Yeah, you can come in, sit down, sing a few songs, get out the door and get that dinner out of the crock pot. Or get to the church, or get to the restaurant before noon. Many like to watch, but few like to do. More are interested in methods than messages. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, it's like this. More people want to... How do I put this politely? They want to get more from God, but they want to take the shortcut. Is that fair enough? Is that kind of a simplicity, or simplistic way of saying it? Many are too concerned about their public image. They don't want people to know that they're a Tongue talking, pew jumping Pentecostal. <laughs> well, you know, if they know I'm a tongue talking, pew jumping, holy roller, they don't know what to talk to me. They're afraid they might get hooked. They might get something if you touch them to pray for them. They may start slinging their bobby pins and start jumping over a few pews and singing hallelujah real loud. <laughs> but you know what concerns me the most? Is that the church, I believe, today has little concern for the lost. That's really what it comes down to. All those things beforehand just kind of lead up to that. You see, the New Testament church should be a dynamic, should be a powerful church. And we're a New Testament church. We should be power, we should be a powerful force in the workplace. We should be a powerful force in the community that we live in. And everywhere that we are, we should, we should be making a bold stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want us to take a look at what made the New Testament church different. And now if you're at Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added to the number of them about 3,000 souls. Could you imagine just for a moment stepping outside of this church looking like you're drunk, speaking a language no man knows, and adding 3,000 people to your church in one day? That would be awesome! I think we should pray for that kind of 
around in the public in a drunken stupor, speaking a language that no one knows. Let the tongue of fire be bouncing off your head. That'll make them come. The fire department, anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe a few nurses. You see, church, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayer. Notice, notice what they're doing here. It's, they're, 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 they're all together. They're sticking it out. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possession. What, Pastor, you want me to sell my possessions? <laughs> the New Testament church, they sold their possessions and they followed. They used the, the money that they sold and they took care of the poor. They took care of the widows and the orphans. Now, I'm not saying go sell your house or your car and give it all away. What I'm saying is we need to be having a heart and an attitude of gratitude to the Lord Jesus Christ. Taking the gifts that he has placed upon us and taking those gifts and, and helping those who, who have not. I'm not saying Every, every guy that's standing on the street corner is holding the sign. Although I've done that many times. I give them a pen that says Jesus loves them and remind them that Jesus loves them. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need and they continued daily one with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from the house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Father, I thank you again this morning for your word. Lord, I pray again, let these words speak to our hearts. Let us become that New Testament church that you talk about here in Acts. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. So, Every effort of evangelism is being made here. 3,000 converts at Pentecost. This was the work of 120 believers. They were all witnessing. Acts 1.8 says, But ye shall receive the power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You see, the power of the New Testament believers where they received the Holy Spirit. And that, that included boldness and confidence and insight and ability and most of all, authority. You see, 
Jesus has given us the authority. Greater things will you do than I have done, he says. So you should be able to go out and lay hands on the sick and they should be healed. Amen? Amen. You should be able to go and preach the gospel or present the gospel and they get saved. Because God has given you the boldness and the authority in which to do these things. This is what the New Testament church is all about. But the disciples would know that they would need all of these gifts to fulfill their mission. You see, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Every born-again believer in the Lord Jesus should be able to feel the power of the Holy Ghost in their life. And I know that when you read your word and you pray, you feel his presence. Amen? I hope you do. Amen. If you're not feeling his presence, stop for a moment. Get the Bible out. Make sure it's King James Version. <laughs> I know some of y'all get on me about that, but I, I'm sorry. That's all I read. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I know. I've had somebody give me a message Bible. I've had somebody give me one of those, one of those, what, those new NIV. Somebody's giving me, and they're still in the wrapping. No offense. I just, I don't have time to waste on that kind of stuff. If I want God's word, I'm going to go to God's word. Yes. I don't want a message from somebody else. I want a message from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what I want. Amen. Amen. You know, when we when we receive from the Lord, you want from the Lord. Amen. I don't know about you. I don't want something from somebody else. Yeah. They have nothing to offer me. Only Jesus has what to offer me. Amen. Evangelism is largely forgotten now. Not many win others to Christ. Not because they don't want to. Not because they don't want to. They have lost the power. They're afraid to be shot down, so to speak. Well, let me just tell you, as your pastor, I've been shot down a whole lot of times. I've had people tell me, I don't want to hear that, that gospel stuff. And you know what I tell them? I don't hear that gospel stuff either. I want to hear it from Jesus. Well, I don't want your religion. I don't want that religion either. I just want Jesus. You see, People are afraid. I'll tell you what they're afraid of. They're afraid they're going to have to give up that sinful life. And it's true. Because mm -hmm. once Jesus fills that heart, there ain't no room for anything else. There's no room for sin in there. See, Jesus takes up all that spot. When I asked Jesus into my heart, he took up all the spot. There was no room for anything else. But I think we have come to settle for lesser causes as believers. Well, you know, I won't talk about abortion because I know that makes people upset. I'm not going to talk about homosexuality because that, that'll upset a few people. But I'll talk about saving the dogs, the seals, the elephants. I'll talk about picking trash up on the beach. I'll go down to the Humane Society and adopt one of those stray dogs or a cat. I did my part. I'm a good human. But see, when we have to take a bold stand for Jesus Christ, you have to talk about those things. Because people have to know that those things are sin. Those things separate you from the love of God. 
And it's true. I was talking to a gentleman yesterday on the phone from Canada. He's talking to me about his church. And he addressed his pastor and he said, Hey, um, when we're going to talk about this, we've got a few same-sex marriage couples in our church. When are we going to talk? have a message about homosexuality? He said, we can't do that. And he said, why not? He said, because I can get arrested. You see, in Canada church, you can't, you can't talk about homosexuality. It's hate speech. I must be a big hater then. Jesus must have been a bigger hater. Because he made it clear where they were going if they don't change. You see, church, they'd have to arrest me. <laughs> I feel I'd be in the big house. <laughs> It's wrong. It's wrong. It defiles the word of God. And if you can't preach it, how can you live it? Right? If you can't stand for it, how can you live it? You're no different than anybody else. The God says he's called you to be set apart. We're set apart. We're not, we're not a part of this world. We're traveling through it. And as we travel through it, guess what? Narrow is the road that leads to eternal life, and only a few will find it. I hope everybody in this church is traveling that narrow road. But I'd like to see the road get a little wider. How can that happen, Pastor? Get a few people saved along the way. Bring more people into the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. Just make the road just kind of push the sides out just a little bit. You know what I mean? Just make it a little wider. Because wide is the road that leads to destruction. And that road is packed. People are heading down that road. The world needs the gospel. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. For I, am, for I have delivered unto you the first of all which is also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to scripture. This is the core of our belief. This is what we believe. He came as a little baby and he died for our sins. But what makes it well is he's alive. He's alive. He's gone to prepare a place for you that where he is, you will be also. So you have nothing to The church needs to respond. The church has responsibilities to the world. So, so, so many Christians say, I'm only responsible for myself. You know where they get that from? They take that little portion of scripture out of judgment. Where Jesus says you're going to give an account. You're going to give an account for yourself. You're going to give an account for every jot and tittle. See, people think, oh, well, because I, I can't mess with this person. I can't do this for this person. i got to try to keep me straight. How am I going to try to get somebody else straight? You don't have to get anybody straight. Bring them to Jesus Christ. Let him straighten them out. Amen. 
I can't think of a better role model than Jesus. He can straighten out the people. Look, I know it's 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 tough. It is. I have family members that aren't saved. You probably have some that aren't saved. I have some that are just walking the line and they're thinking, okay, if I can just keep balance, I'm gonna be okay. But guess what? That doesn't work either. The Bible says you're hot or cold. You right out of his mouth. There you go. And I remind them of that. I remind them every time they call me, brother, can you can you pray for me? Can you pray for my my son or my daughter? They're 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 this or they're that. Can you pray for my grandchildren because they're this or that? And I said, you pray for them. Well, why me? I said, because your prayers are just as effective as mine. Yeah, I mean, you're closer to the Lord than I I said, how do you figure? <laughs> do you ask Jesus Christ in your heart and life? Yeah. Are you serving him? Yeah. I said, well, then you're just as close as me. <laughs> I, I do believe that we should pray for needs of the body of Christ. I think we should pray for one another. I think that we're, we're selling ourselves short if we don't pray for one another. But your prayers are just as effective as mine. God doesn't look at him any different than he looks at you. Well, you know, I'm going to take all the pastors first. Then we'll get the dead in Christ. And then all y'all that are left behind, according to how much you've been reading the Bible, will we'll take you in those steps. It doesn't work like that. You see, the dead in Christ are going to go first. And those of us who are left here on the earth serving the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going next. I guess those who have died in Christ first should have the first opportunity. Mm -hmm. They've got more sleep than us. <laughs> <laughs> See? <laughs> so they get to go first. They're ready to go. They're cranked up. they got all the energy now. <laughs> But when you look at verses 42 through 46, it's a wonderful worship that we have, that they have with the Lord. They continued steadfastly in studying the Word of God. They kept focus. See, I think what happens to the church a lot of times is we read the Word of God, we study the Word of God, but then we get outside of our home and we lose focus of what we're supposed to do. Their, their worship can continued in, in, in loving people, not turning them away. Not saying, well, I don't have time for you right now. They, they, they loved the people. They were sharing in God's table. They were breaking bread together and lifting their prayers to God, continuing with that relationship with Jesus Christ. They understood what it was to have that relationship and how important that relationship is to the Lord. We should understand what it is to have that relationship every single day. Every moment of our life, we should have this relationship. They didn't have the, they were not formalistic, but fiery and faith-building. You see, the excitement that they caught as new believers in Jesus Christ, all they wanted to do was share it. 
When you came to the Lord Jesus Christ, I bet you couldn't wait to share with someone else what he did for you. But so many times, church, we just, we drop it because, well, the only time we pray is when we go to church. The only time we really pray is when I'm with someone else. See, people have mistaken ideas about worship. They think that it must be filled with ceremony. That it must be characterized by silence, that holy hush. You see, worship is expressing ourselves to our Savior. It's whatever form you want to worship Him. Some of us, it's singing. Some of us, it's having that opportunity to talk to him on a daily basis. I told you many times, I'd be driving down the road, singing, praying, people driving by me, thinking that guy must be crazy in that church, all by himself, just blips, just going. <laughs> I'm just expressing to Jesus how much I love him. Thanking him for all that he's done for me and how he continues to watch over me, how he continues to protect me. Because we know that worship can include our praising, our singing, our sharing. Matter of fact, Paul reminds us in Ephesians 5.19, speaking to yourselves in the psalms and the hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your heart to the Lord. Amen. Now some people say, oh, I can't sing. Well, I can't sing either. <laughs> but in my heart there rings the melody. I ring the melody. See, you know, it's just like that. I don't have to be a good singer. No. Just know in my heart that it rings a melody to the Lord Jesus Christ. How often do you sing to the Lord? How often do you sing? Now, I'm not talking about from the shower. Some people think you get in the shower and you sing, you sound better. I don't know. How do you get to sing with all that water shooting in your face? <laughs> I don't know. I guess you turn your back to the water. It's supposed to sound better. I don't know. But I'm just saying how often do you sing a song to me? It should be the, one of the most inspirational things you do. Sometimes I find myself singing and Virginia will come back and say, did you want something? <laughs> no, no, I was just singing to the Lord. Oh, okay, and she, she'll go out. She, I think she really wanted to say, did somebody kill a frog back here? <laughs> I heard it croaking. <laughs> loves me. I'm convinced. You see, it's fantastic fellowship. You see, what did they do? What did the disciples do? What did the new believers do? They went from house to house, breaking bread and eating meat. They were having fellowship together. Church, that's what we need to start doing. Maybe that's something we ought to do. We ought to start going house to house and having fellowship. Get two or three together. Like They used to have this thing that Bethel called the four, I think it was. And they had, was it four couples or four people? Four, four, four couples. And they would go to the house once a week and they would have fellowship in different different houses. I think that'd be a cool idea. Start, start fellowshipping with one another again. Getting to know each other again. Having that relationship, that contact. They loved one another. 
They, they were all gathered in one accord, praising the Lord Jesus. They cared for people more than things. You see, the new believers, they, they sold their possessions and they gave them to men as they saw me. We see new believers in church today, we'll say, well, we'll see how long they're going to be here. <laughs> they'll come to the church and they'll ask for some help and you give them some help and then you don't see them again after a couple weeks, right, Phil? Right, right. We've seen that many times. Many times. But you know what? It's not about what we do. It's about who we obey. Mm -hmm. If the Lord tells us to help, then we help. <clears throat> Whether they come back or not, that's not our business. We just need to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And what he tells us to do. They responded to the crisis in each other's lives. You see, I believe that the body of Christ needs to come together. We need to pray for one another. When, when, when Ella Bell would call me and tell me about her brother, I hope you don't mind me saying but it was a privilege to pray for him. And to have Virginia and Sharon there. And we pray for him because we, we, we believe that where two or three are gathered together, he's there in the midst. And he says, any two or three agree on any one thing in heaven, so it shall be loosed in heaven, it shall be loosed on the earth. So we do that. You see, I think it's, I think it's awesome when we can pray for one another. Yeah. I think it's awesome when you call me and say, Pastor, can you pray for this situation or that situation? And I can do that. They put away their division. They were all in one accord. See, a lot of times I think the church is divided on what should be or shouldn't be. But if the church is in one accord, that means they're all unified together with the Lord Jesus Christ. They all agree together. That's what a unified body is. A body that is <laughs> sold out for Jesus. I wonder why the church exploded. 3,000 here, 5,000 there, another 3,000 over here. And now look at the world. Now there are millions of people who profess to be born again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought, and I go back and I look at that scripture that narrow is the road that leads to eternal life and a few will find. I'm like, Lord, but there are millions of Christians. And you know what he reminded me of? This. When I was studying this, and I was stuck on that verse, and I was thinking about the millions of people who came here. I got a phone call this week. I'm not going to mention names, but I got a phone call. And he's a pastor at another church. And he asked if I could counsel with him. I said, well, you cannot meet with the church here. I mean, they... Maybe talk to your senior pastor. Well, no, no, I, I, I can't do that. He said it'll cause a conflict. I thought, you want to talk to me? <laughs> I might not be able to help you. <laughs> Must be pretty bad. So I agreed to meet with him. And I met with him yesterday. And it was quite interesting. When I asked him, I said, how did you hear about me? He said, well, I have a friend of a friend who told me about you. So I went to your church website and I listened to a few of your messages. 
He said, how can your church handle that? I said, handle what? He said, you're so bold. You're just like right there with it. Talking about sin and the cross and the blood. Your, your church doesn't get bothered by all that? I said, well, I hope so. I said, if they get bothered by it, you know, they know where the door is. I can't stop them. He said, well, in our church, we, can't, we don't do that because it's very offensive. Or it could be very offensive to some. I said, oh, you're one of those churches. Yeah. He kind of chuckled. He laughed with me. But he did have, he had a real issue. He said he had contacted two other pastors to get help with his situation and both of them turned him down because he was a part of this other church. And he said, when I called you, you didn't hesitate about saying, yeah, sure, I'll meet with you. Why is that? I said, because I believe that if we're a part of the body of Christ, we're supposed to help one another. We need to pray for one another. I said, I'm not perfect by any means. I said, I have a great group of guys in our church who are our trustees. I said, and I lean upon them. Why? Because I know they're praying for me. I said, but you shouldn't be afraid to go to another believer if you need help. So he began to talk to me about his situation and I listened to him and then I talked with him and then I prayed with him. And he said, could I meet you again sometime? And I said, church, give me a call. Church, we can't be a church to just those that are here. We have to be a church to the world. Jesus was a church to the world. He didn't die just for us in this church. He died for the world as a whole. And so we have to remember that when somebody comes and wants to talk to you and has an issue, we need to take time to listen. But take time to hear. You're getting the content. You know what I'm saying? Here. I'm not saying hear what they're saying. I'm saying hear what the Lord is telling you to say back. We all have our own thoughts and opinions. And I had a couple yesterday. <laughs> but I didn't share them. Because it wasn't what God wanted me to say. You see, we have to listen to what God wants us to say. And if he's not giving you something to say, then say, I'll pray for you. When I, when I hear from God... I'll get back to you. Because giving your own opinion is the worst thing you can do. Mm -hmm. The testimony of the church should be that we all have favor with the Lord. The testimony of the church is your life. It's how you walk. It's how you talk. It's how you demonstrate the Lord Jesus Christ through your life. See, as I said last week, you're the church. You are the church. Not this building, this building, the place we gather together. But you're the church. Jesus Christ died for you. 
He resides in you. When you asked him to come in, you became the church. Why do you think the public grew so much? Why do you think so many came to the Lord? Because they saw how the disciples were living. They saw what they had was real. And what you have should be real. And when you have what is real, people want a part of that. People want to live, I believe, or I should say I want to believe, that I think people want to live a good and moral and wholesome life. The enemy has stirred them up. The enemy has put scales over their eyes, if you will, and they can't see the truth. And they, they start listening to all this stuff on TV. And they think it's right. I know a young man who was married at one time. After several years, three children, he came out of the closet, they, so they say. And he professed to be homosexual. And this guy worked in the church. And so the family took his stand. They said, no, not going to have this. He left the church. And the guy he was having an affair with, he married. Hmm. The family took a stand and said, no, you can't, can't come here. We're not going to have that kind of sin in our home. Right. Right. That kind of sin. Now, they invited the son to come. But the partners one couldn't come because they recognized the children had a hard time with this but it wasn't but a few months after that that homosexuality marriage became legal according to the powers that be yeah. the judges that said it's okay I'm thinking what in God we trust what there's something wrong with our money. We're saying we trust God, but we're going to do things our way. It doesn't work like that. They wonder why the country is a mess. You can't make these kind of rules and say we live by this standard. There's a conflict. Light and dark, it don't mix. Oil and water don't mix. So once it became legal, the grandchildren then went to the grandparents and said, well, we can accept this now because it's legal. Uh -huh. And granddad had to bring out the Bible and show that it's not legal. You see, there's no two standards, church. Either we live for God or we don't. We don't live on the fence. Either we live for them or we don't. It's just that plain and simple. And I try to tell people that. I try to give them, look, don't, there, there, there's no measuring up Christianity. Either we believe the word of God or we don't. Either we stand on the foundation of God's word or we don't. It's that simple. 
I know there may be some that will watch this today and say, well, I think you're just being too stringent. I'm telling you, if it's not in God's word, I don't believe it. And I don't want to have a part of it. I'm not trying to say ditch your family or anything else. But what I'm saying is <laughs> you have an opportunity of having Jesus in your life to make a change in your family, your community, your workplace, wherever it is you may be. I love it. I can I can talk to Phil and I can see I can see Phil anywhere. And Phil's gonna be the same here as he is out there. And I know that. Whatever Phil would say to me here, he would say to me out there. And I wouldn't worry about it because Phil's going to be that way. And I know some of you are that same way. Jack's the same way. Whatever Jack says to me here, he'll say to me out there. He's not worried about what the public thinks. Right. Because he knows what God's Word says. In church, when we know what God's Word says, we don't have to worry about the world trying to change us. We need to start trying to change it. Because the world's going to tell you, you tongue-talking, pew-hopping, <laughs> Pentecostal holy rollers, stand back. That's fine with me, because I'm ready to share the gospel wherever I am. And it doesn't matter. And I've shared with you before, I, just that one conversation so long, long ago, When I stopped, when mom and dad were both alive, actually, and I stopped over at that brass monkey and got some lunch, and I was reading my Bible, and those two ladies came in, and the older lady said, oh, look, he's reading a novel, and I said, yes, and she said, what's the name of it? I said, the Bible. And she looked at her friend and she goes, you can read that in public? <laughs> I can't think of a better book to read in public than that novel. Of course, they went and sat down and it didn't address me anymore. I think she was taken back. But what kind of a testimony is that? When you can go and have lunch, you open up your Bible, you read your Bible, and somebody comes by and says, oh, what novel are you reading? Oh, the Bible. Like that was taboo or something. This man sitting in a restaurant where they serve and he's reading the Bible. It's all about perspective. Do you love him or do you not? Do you trust him or do you not? Do you stand upon the word or do you not? That's a, the gospel is complete enough for a simple person to read. And when we read the word of God, sometimes we can read 10 chapters in a day. And you say, well, Pastor, how can you remember 10 chapters in a day? It's not that. It's, as I read, it's the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's the refreshing of God's word that washes over me as I read. I may not catch everything that I read, but whatever it is that God wants me to see, he's going to point out. Yes. 
And that's the important thing. It's not about how much you read. It's about what you get from what you need. And I don't know about you, but I don't can't think of a more refreshing thing for my day, a fresh filling of my day than reading the Word of God. And whether it be a chapter a day, whether it be 15, 20 verses a day, it's just the refreshing of that Word that just continues to fill you. God will use it. One day when you need it, it's going to come back to here. Mm -hmm. That's what we need, church. That's what a New Testament church is. A refilling, a refreshing of the Holy Ghost every day. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you, Lord God, that we can come in to your house of worship. And Lord, we can become a New Testament church. Father, knowing what it is to go out into the highways and the byways and to compel them to come in. What it is to go outside of this place and live like you want us to live. Do what you want us to do. That your will be done and not our own. Father, that we can reach our, our world for Jesus Christ. Because we believe the whole word of God. And Lord, I thank you today. Lord, help us to be creative in our mind. And ways to share the word. Help us to use the power that you've instilled in us to deliver your word. Yes, Jesus. Give us that boldness and that authority to speak the truth yes, and deny the lies of the devil. Yes. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for this we ask in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, Amen. 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 Let's